This is the Used Car Dealer Podcast. Zach here today, and we have a guest on the podcast who's had a couple appearances already. Bob Voltman, the CEO of NIADA, which also operates the NABD BHPH Super Forum. Bob, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Great to be here, Zach. Thank you for having me again. So recently, you just finished the National Policy Conference in Washington, D.C. How did that go? And what came out of the conference is like major action items in Washington for NIADA? It was a great conference. We had um, we had really good attendance from, from members and our vendor partners. Um, it is our annual call on Washington. Um, while we now have full-time Washington, D.C. staff um, that are meeting with members of Congress and, and the regulators on a regular basis, this is our one time a year where we bring as many members as want to come to meet with their members of Congress, uh, to meet with the regulators, uh, to interact with each other. Um, it was great. We had, uh, we this is an election year as we as we painfully are aware. Um, so we had representatives from the um, Republican Congressional Campaign Committee and the Democrat uh, Congressional Campaign Committee. Uh, we had Amy Walter from the Cook Political Report uh, giving updates. Um, most importantly, from a dealer standpoint, we had um, director of the CFPB, Rohit Chopra, um, he and I did a, a sit down, a fireside chat to kick the conference off. Um, he was charming. Um, and he said, I want you all to understand, I don't wake up every morning thinking about used car dealers. And I don't want you waking up every morning thinking about me. Um, I said, well, they're really glad to hear that because they and they're also glad to see you don't have three heads. <laughs> and he said, absolutely, I don't have three heads. Um, so, but we talked about what, you know, what the agency is seeing, what it is concerned about. And he said, watch the complaints. That's what we do. We watch the complaints. And so we're working with the staff to figure out how we can um, get a better handle on the complaints and the magnitude of them and the, um, the patterns within those. We talked about um, um, NIDA and his um, his staff working together, um, and most recently they reached out the the CFPB staff reached out to us to talk about lease pay here, and they wanted to know more about lease here pay here as an option. Uh, we talked a lot about the. F FTC and and the rules there, the safeguard rules, and the um, the new rules that they're contemplating. We just submitted comments on that they think are going to um, speed up the car buying process, and we know quite frankly they're going to make the car buying process hours longer uh, with all the new paperwork. So. We also met with many members of Congress, including 
people, uh, the, the member of Congress who would be the committee chair overseeing the FTC. Um, if the House flips and the Republicans take control, um, and we talked about that. We talked about there's a letter circulating to delay the rule implementation, to give everybody more time and to think through it. So it was a great meeting. Lots of Hill visits, lots of meetings like that, uh, interaction between members. Um, I can't imagine why people don't come um, to D.C. to be a part of this. And speaking of D.C., you spend a lot of time there. What did you learn about what makes Washington move to get new policies in place for organizations like TIA or the NIADA? So I did. I spent 32 years um, in Washington, D.C. My wife and I came up. We were in the um, <clears throat> the George H.W. Bush administration. Um, and then I've worked in trade associations since then implementing policy. The thing to understand about Washington and people who come to Washington, nobody comes here wanting to do the wrong thing, make it positive. Everybody comes here wanting to make a difference and make it make that a positive difference. Their positive difference, my positive difference may be different, but everybody wants to do the right thing. And so it's finding that common ground and talking to each other. And the other thing about Washington is it's a 365-day-a-year community. Um, it, it's like I imagine uh, Silicon Valley. It's a very small community, and everybody is tied together. Um, that's how Washington is. You go to the same schools. You go to the same churches. You shop at the same grocery stores. You live in the same neighborhoods. Kids go to the same schools. Um, so you're interacting constantly. And, and that interaction is what brings about policy. It's also about control. Who controls the, controls the House? Who controls the Senate? Who controls the White House? And this is an election year and we get to, we get to do that. But from the lobbying standpoint, it's making connections. It's telling our story, having our members tell their story in a way that legislators and regulators understand. So my next question, what exactly is the NABD Super Forum and why should buy here, pay here dealers attend this event? So it's all about buy here, pay here dealers. Um, <clears throat> and right now, buy here, pay here dealers and lease here, pay here dealers are it's both the best of times and the worst of times, to quote Mr. Dickens. Um, it's the worst of times because the FTC safeguard rules are going into effect December the 9th. Come hell or high water at this point, they're going into effect. And I've talked to a lot of dealers and they're like, oh, yeah, but they won't catch me. The problem with the safeguard rules is it's not the agency catching. It's that there'll be a data breach. And under your state's uniform commercial code, you'll be sued 
by a private attorney putting a class action together. Hmm. So every dealer needs to begin this process and have something in place by December the 9th or they're in big trouble. The Super Forum, we have four hours dedicated to just the safeguard rule and getting those mechanisms in place so that you can walk out of there with your plan pretty much done. We've also been promoting the Texas Independent Automobile Dealers Association, our Texas affiliate. They have training videos uh, for both the uh, for employees and the qualified individual. This is important and dealers have to deal with it. And it applies to all dealers. There's been some confusion over this 5,000 record level. Mm-hmm. That just, that's, they're just a couple of additional steps for those dealers with 5,000 records. And those are 5,000 individual records not 5,000 sales. Big difference. (laughs) It's a huge difference. It is 5,000 pieces of identifying information. So it gets very quickly, a dealer can can get to that level. Um, But every dealer has to comply. So that's what the super form is all about. It's dealers helping dealers. It's NIDA helping dealers, and it's um, getting ready for this uh, safeguard rule. And I love that. And any interesting observations specifically on the buy here, pay here market in 2022 from your lens at NIADA? Yeah, again, it's the best of times and the worst of times. Um, Whether Washington, whether the White House admits it or not, Um, We're in a recession. Interest rates are going through the roof and the Fed's not done. They're going to continue to raise interest rates. So we have a a new car shortage because of chips. We now have higher interest rates. And for every, every time the Fed increases, it's the, the, um, the rate. It takes 18 months for that to work completely through the economy. So just because the Fed raises rates doesn't mean your rent's going to go up this month. It's going to go up when you renew. Chickens may cost more right now because it costs more to grow chickens. But it's going to take a year and a half, two years for all of these rate increases to be absorbed into the economy. So what does that mean? It means that fewer people are going to be able to buy new cars. It means more and more people are going to be pushed into the subprime market. At a time when it's still difficult to get inventory. And sell that inventory, get that inventory so that you can sell it at a price that those people can afford to buy. So it's the best of times because our buy here, pay here dealers are going to have more customers and more demand for their vehicles. And it's going to be tougher and tougher to compete in that space. 
And let me ask you more specifically about the NIADA. So when it comes to issues like what you're discussing that directly impact used car dealers, what are some big initiatives <clears throat> next year or any any thoughts into some big focuses for 2023? So we're continuing to work Washington. Um, for the buy here, pay here side, that's the biggest thing we can do is continue to work Washington. And we're watching several things. Um we're watching um, what the FTC is talking about with um, junk fees, what they call the junk fees. And uh, we're watching the CFPB is floating this, this idea that um, you're going to have to check to see whether someone's or black, male or female, gay or straight, when you're dealing with car loans. It's like, <clears throat> turning the clock back 70 years of, you know, civil rights and equal rights. And, and we've all become told that you can't ask these questions and be colorblind. And now we've got government regulators wanting to go backwards. So we're going to fight that. Um, we're watching crazy things like the D.C. City Council is looking at regulating algorithms. That's the kind of crazy stuff that we do as a trade association to watch those things so our members don't have to. So that's what we're working on with the buy here, pay here community. Um, our other big initiative for, you know, closing out this year and, and into next year is our, um, CPO program, our certified pre-owned program, a national program, five administrators, um, recognition on uh, public websites, integrating digital inspection. Uh, we're also, we launched an app at our meeting in June, and we're now building those out, building apps, building apps out for our states so that it becomes NIDA in the palm of your hand, 365 days of the year, with a secure community where dealers can interact with each other in a secure fashion where no one's gonna take that data and use it to market something to you, hmm. which is what the public websites, of course, do. Um, so more of the same in, with the addition of CPO, the app, um, and continuing to really uh, push our our advocacy. So any predictions for Q4 in terms of the used car marketplace or going into early next year, Q1? Just that. Um, the economy is going to get worse before it gets better. Hmm. Interest rates are going to continue to go up. People are going to be pushed out of the new car marketplace and more and more people are going to be pushed into the used car marketplace and more and more people are going to be pushed into the subprime parts of the used car marketplace, which is going to be an opportunity for our members. Um, they're going to have to work hard to um, be able to meet. Let me ask you about rising energy costs. You know, it's six fifty a gallon here in San Francisco, where I'm at. You deserve to fill it. Up your tank. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's a tightening market. You see valuations completely cratering. 
What what sort of impact do you think that has on the automotive ecosystem, especially on the energy side? Well, it is the number one driving force for the economy being in a tailspin. If so, let's go back. Let's go back at the end of the George W. Bush administration. The United States had become the world's largest producer of oil and natural gas. We produced more oil than Saudi Arabia and Kuwait combined. We were the swing producer for the world. We are now a net beggar once again. The policies of the past of this administration and the Obama administration have put us back in a position where we are having to beg countries to produce more oil when we could be doing it ourselves. And if we were producing oil, so the price of chickens, the price of heating oil, the price of gasoline, the price of producing things is all tied to petroleum. Again, going back to the George W. Bush administration, every German chemical company was opening a facility in the United States because what do you make with chemicals? You make plastic. And what do we use plastic for? Pretty much everything. It was cheaper here than any place else in the world. And we've destroyed that. We can bring it back, but it's not here now. And that's why costs are up. Now, the Fed wants to squeeze money out of the system, which it needed to do, because we pumped so much in to keep the economy going during um, the pandemic. But when you talk about the energy ecosystem, it's because we're not producing our own energy. Under this belief that somehow if we don't produce it, our air is going to be clean (laughs) and someone else's air is going to be dirty. I don't think that's the way it works. Um, And now we have New York and California both saying no more gasoline powered vehicles after 2035. Well, it's real easy because neither governor is going to be governor in 2035 and have to deal with that. But they're not being honest today. You know, what did um, uh, Governor Newsom came out and said, 2035, no gasoline powered vehicles will be allowed to be sold in California. And it was the very next day, he said, but don't charge your electric vehicles during the day because we don't have enough electricity. And we saw pictures, especially here in Texas, we saw pictures of Californians running Honda generators to charge their Tesla. (laughs) We need to have an honest discussion. I'm, you know, the government has its thumb on the scale and it's picked a winner and it's picked a loser. And I think it's done that for political reasons. And we've not had a national debate 
about that? Do people really want electric vehicles? What's the impact on the poor? And when I lived in Washington, D.C., our workers did not live in Alexandria, Virginia. I mean, when you had a contractor come to the house or when we did work on the house, they were coming from West Virginia, 100 miles away, 80 miles away. And they're not going to do that in an electric pickup that costs $100,000. So we need to have an adult conversation about this instead of just by fiat saying, you know, we wave a magic wand and say we're going to stop selling uh, gasoline-powered vehicles. What it's going to do is right now, wealthy people can afford to drive electric vehicles. 40 years from now, wealthy people will drive gasoline-powered vehicles. Hmm. As the tides change and it it becomes more a luxury item. Right. (laughs) And so many of the people who push EVs, and I'm not against EVs in any way, But so many of the people who are pushing this then get in their private plane to go someplace as opposed, which is a huge energy user. So the ecosystem is going to change. Um, The the big auto producers have, you know, want to produce electric vehicles. Um, So that's going to happen. But when it comes to energy prices right now, uh, we can fix that. Definitely. And in an interesting perspective, and it almost seems like EVs in your mind are becoming a fashion statement. Like, sure, I drive my Tesla and I charge it and I could go, you know, 200 miles, but I'm taking my <clears> private <throat> jet out. So it's it's almost countering that in a sense. Right. And and there was a story, I'm, I'm reminded of a story and I'm about um, the early days of EVs and the fact that all of their um, energy saving was calculated on only one person being in the vehicle. Hmm. And the minute you put a second person in the vehicle, the weight changes and all the calculation goes away. Interesting. And I I feel like throughout this podcast, you've shed a lot of light on Washington and areas used car dealers might not be as aware of. And I wanted to ask you lastly, mm-hmm. anything you want to announce about the NIADA that's upcoming, of course, the Buy Here, Pay Your Super Forum, but anything else you want to promote while on the podcast? Absolutely. So it's the Super Forum. Um, our, I mean, what we're all about is helping dealers be better dealers through our 20 group program, through our advocacy, through our meetings our education Um, and so you know we invite we invite dealers who are not members to become members um, to be part of the solution and we invite our current members to begin to continue to be uh, more and more involved Awesome. Well, Bob, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast again. A reoccurring guest, Bob Voltman, the CEO of the NIADA. Thank you so much. Thanks, Zach.